Oeherema Yorana. You're listening to Tereva Neyao, the only podcast currently documenting the voices and lives of Tahitian American families and couples, the long distance, the love stories, our lives between Tahiti and the United States of America. We present to you Tereva Neyao. Welcome to episode 17. I had the pleasure of first spending time with Tino Mana and Kapeka in 2017 after my teacher Papa Gerard Tepehu passed away. Here in the U.S., our friends organized a tribute in Vallejo, California, so Tino and Kapeka came all the way from Hawaii to be with us for this event. Tino and Kapeka are a power couple, both well-versed in their cultures. Their love story began when Kapeka was visiting Tahiti from Hawaii. After moving around a few times, they're now home on Oahu. Tino and Kapeka agreed to tell their story for us on the Terevoneao podcast, so I hope you enjoy their story. Thank you, Tino and Kapeka, for agreeing to be here on the Terevoneao podcast. I just want to thank you both um, and warmly welcome you to the show, Maeva, Manava, and Yorana. Yorana Ryan. Aloha. <laughs> so, Kapeka and Tino, I would like to first just hear from you both, both of you, if you can give your full names, and then if you could both tell me a little about, you know, your childhood growing up before you guys met. Um, well, my full name is Nadine Ilikapeka Kia Hoffman, born on Oahu, raised on Oahu, the island of Oahu, um, and I also had the opportunity to go to school on Maui, and I grew up practically in family that was already teaching hula and Tahitian, Polynesian entertainment. So I really uh, come to love Tahiti and their culture. Um, and so that's uh, how I got involved. So when I got older and was able to make my own money, that's when I decided to go vacation to Tahiti to learn more, to visit the islands of Tahiti. But that's when I was I met Tino. So my name is um, Franz Emil Tinomana Hoffman, born and raised in, on the island of Tahiti. My dad is Emil Hoffman from the island of Tupoi, and my mom is Bianca Meide Benasek from Tahiti, the district of Pire. I basically was raised as a in a church, Church of Jesus Christ, all already saints, also known as Mormons. So basically, I was raised um, through a family that's 100% involved with Sundays. Sundays, there's no going to the beach or whatever, so going to church. I have two brothers and one sister. One of my brothers lives here on Oahu, and he's um, currently serving in the National Guard. Okay. And he married Hawaiian girl also. And he married yeah. a Hawaiian, local girl from uh, Kaukusai. Talk about myself. Hard to believe, Ryan. I, believe. I never, I wasn't involved with any way in the Tahitian culture as I grew up. Or dancing. Or even dancing. I did ask my dad one time if I could enter the Heva and the answer was straight no. That's, that's not for me. It was okay. I never really asked why. I just, okay, I just moving along. But through church, we got some opportunities to learn Tahitian dance. And one year, we were able to perform for this BYU groups called Living Legends. I don't know if you heard about them. So one year, they came over to Haiti and they performed stake present as for a group of youth to perform for, for them. And we had the opportunity to learn from one of the pupo of Kokohutauta. He went teach us one otea. His name is uh, Bruno Tematao. Him and his wife were really into, were really involved in the Temaeva group. His wife is um, from Mea. We'll call her Fifi, Tati Fifi. So both of them and their kids went teach us the youth, um, the otea, basically learn the Uri Tehiti. 
And that was the first time I ever touched basic of the OETT. It was good. We were able to travel to Vegas and perform for the Morinda company in Vegas for one of the convention. So that was my basic touch base of the OETT. After graduate from high school, you know, as a Mormon member of the church, every young man have the duties to serve a full-time mission as a missionary. And then I got my call and I got to be called to serve in Tahiti. I mean, I was a little bit upset because I really wanted to serve in New Zealand, but hey, if God called me to serve in Tahiti, I will do it. In fact, my brother, my second brother, got to serve in New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> so it's really, really crazy. But anyway, I didn't really see why. I never really asked question why I got called to serve in Tahiti mm -hmm. until later when I met my wife, Kapika, and then going through our life. I understood why I got to serve in Tahiti and I got to learn basically my father's language, Tahiti. I got to serve my people to teach them the gospel, which is what I really love. After I, served, I finished my mission, two weeks later, after I finished my mission, that's when I met Kapika. She came to Tahiti on vacation. She stayed over at my cousin's house. My cousin asked for um, to have dinner with them. I said, okay, let's, let's all have dinner. And then that's how I met her. Back then, they had two flights from Hawaii to Papete. It was uh, Wednesday and Saturday. Miss Maydeen chose to stay the whole week. <laughs> I don't know how, how that all happened. I, I knew I longed to go and visit Tahiti. So me and my cousins, my sister, uh, planned to go. And this is my cousin, Christopher Romento, because he travels to Tahiti often. So I asked him to host us to, to visit the island. Last minute, he told me, cuz, I cannot make it, but go. My friends in Tahiti are going to take care of you. And I was like, I don't speak the language. You're crazy. Anyway, we went. We went to Tahiti. Our friends who received us was um, Tahia and Misha, Misha Hawata. Hawata, and oh my gosh, they, yes, they received us with open arms, and it was like family, we knew them, so much aloha, and just good fun hanging out with them and sharing their islands with me and my sister and our friends, and so we arrived, that was Sunday morning, and then maybe Tuesday? Monday. Monday, we, my sister and I and our friends went over to the Hoffman's house for dinner. And uh, Tino wasn't home yet. They were at American football practice. But we're, I was getting to know the family, the Hoffman family, and just admiring their land. And then Tino drives up, and I see him. And I used to think this is corny. I used I remember hearing other couples say this, like when they seen their spouse, like when I seen Tino, I was like, oh my gosh, how do I introduce myself to my husband? There he is. Like, what? <laughs> and of course he spoke little English. I spoke no French. So it's all like um, hand gestures and face expressions, but actually it was the hula. I got to perform hula for the family. So... <laughs> That was Tuesday. That was Tuesday. And then my friends and my sister was leaving Tahiti on Wednesday. And only I was staying beha uh, behind to continue my vacation. Again, I don't know how that happened. I'm staying alone in Tahiti. <laughs> Bid my sister them farewell. They went back home, Hawaii. And then uh, that Wednesday, no, Thursday, Tino... Uh, called me up and invited, well, through a, our mutual friend, a translator, invited me to a church dance Friday night. Uh, so he picked me up and we enjoyed our evening. And 
I don't know how because we didn't speak the same language, but it was such a good night, like hanging out, getting to know each other and um, dancing the night away. Then by Saturday. Saturday night, we have family dinner, I guess a farewell for Kapika to leave the island. And I basically asked her hand that night. Crazy. I mean, who does that in like less than a week? But anyway, I. Although I, at that first time when I met Tino, I was saying, oh, how do I introduce myself to my husband? When Tino did speak about marriage already, I did ask, okay, wait, let's slow down. Can we be friends? Let's try to be, get to know each other. And if those days never have Facebook then. Never have emails. Never have emails. So I came back home, Hawaii, and then that's when we started our um, friendship through writing oh, or phone calls. The oh, the bills. $2,000, $2,500 bill. <laughs> Could have flew to Tahiti and back. I didn't enjoy the long-distance relationship. So th- this was, I'm sorry, this was in the month of May we met. And then in July, I said, okay, I'm going to break up this friendship or relationship. Um, I flew back to Tahiti in July to end our relationship. And you know, the walls at the, uh, the doors at the airport, they have that doors, sliding doors that open. And Tina was on the other end holding the tiarele. And I seen him and I was like, oh my gosh, I melted all over. I was like, that's my husband. I cannot break. Why am I here? But that was it. That was I knew that's when our relationship got uh, serious. Um, from that trip, we spent about a week again together and really, okay, this, this is it. We're going to be commit to each other. And I guess, Tino, you want to share your deciding factor? Well, after my mission, I had, I had some plans. Like to, um, one of my plans was to attend um, Utah Valley College. But when I met Kapika, um, I guess my friend was saying, you know, there is a church school in Hawaii, BYU Hawaii Laie. And it would be easier if, if I attend BYU Laie, then I can still see Kapika. And so that was one of the major reasons that I changed my plans <laughs> and come here to, for school. So you came on a school visa? Well, first I, I came in August. I came in August to Oahu just to visit the island because I never, I never been to Hawaii. I was just okay. I'm gonna come check it out, see how it is, and went visit the school. Um, Kapika and her sister took me there to visit the campus, the PCC, just to see how it was, everything. And from there, I told myself, okay, I, I'm gonna attend the school. Came in January. I came with a student visa. I basically. Never stayed that long because I, I thought, Kapika, you know, I really want to get married and to start our life and we need to get this thing rolling. And... We did. We both did. We wanted to get married. Um, so by, the, by, March, by March, we got married and that's when we switched over. Yeah. Prior to BYU, um, we had a plan, me and Kapika, to get married in October. But I told her, you know, it's, it might be hard. For me, if we get married, and then it's going to be hard for me to come to the USA. And one of my friends was telling me it, it would be easier if I have a visa, a student visa, than get to the US or Hawaii, and from there start the paperwork for the marriage and also for the petition of um, um, for the visa for the married visa. I'm glad um, I'm glad uh, we listened to my friend. But even through all those uh, preparation, we we f- have faced a lot of obstacles. Yeah, because it is overwhelming, all that paperwork. And a lot of, we met with the consulate, French consulate, um, who encouraged to get a lawyer. Yeah. Her name was Nadia. She used to work at the French consulate. 
And she, she just basically told you, you just get a lawyer, that's going to be easier. Of course, cost costly, but it's going to be easier. We did not have that money. So what we ended up doing is just filling out all the paperwork. So at our appointment, the clerk was kind of just like, oh, okay, you don't need this. Okay, this is good. You need this. You don't need this. So it was just weeding everything out. So it was just time consuming and just really trying to read. I don't know how families do it who doesn't have English as their first language because it is challenging. Yeah. Of course, the medical visit that we have to do, the financial support that we have to find. But basically, Kapika was, um, chose herself as a sponsor. We did it. We did it. I mean, after we got married in March, I think in June, that's where I finally got that first temporary green card. So, and from there, I could be, I would be able to get a job legally. And then after receiving that temporary visa, um, green card, then I have to wait one year for the permanent uh, green card. I mean, it's, it was challenging, but we, we made it. I mean, for other couples who are, I don't know how it is today, but just persevere, hang in there. I think there's more, a lot more um, resources now, yeah, for help. I see a lot of similarities. Like we, we did all the same things and knew how y'all felt. We weren't crazy about the long distance and trying to find that. It's intimidating, right? When they ask you to sponsor, they, they, you have to make a certain amount of money. And then we also were told, you need a lawyer. She's, she's going to need a lawyer because this is risky and all these things. Yeah. And, you know, and, and like you, Tino, I also had um, plans for, to, you know, complete my education and, you know, just, well, we fell in love. So we didn't want to, I said, this is more important. You know, I mean, it, that, that, that's our life, right. Is figuring out what will be you weigh out. Like, do I want this or do I want this? I want this one more totally understand. And thank you both for sharing that. Um, and then when you got to Hawaii, what, what was it like though? I mean, I know that Kapeka, you're, you're already accustomed to much of Tino's culture and it's not super foreign as a Kanaka Maoli or as a, as a Hawaiian, right? Like, like learning and figuring out Maui culture, but Tino, what was it like for you to, you know, be away from home and how were you able to kind of get a grip on learning English? My mother is Carol May Kasakwit and my dad is Dennis uh, Kahikilikia and with his twin sister, um, Auntie Denise Kauhiona Maunaro, Kia Ramento, they started, well, for, uh, for me, the love of the culture. So, yeah, I was heavy into the Tahitian. Like you said, I was comfortable with the, um, hearing the language, the, the, the dance, the music. So for myself, I came in her family. And, well, first of all, um, it, was, it was easy for me as far as transitioning from living here in the U.S. because I told myself, you know, I have to do it. I know I miss the food. I know I miss some other people, but I cannot let that stop me to really progress and to really move forward. I mean, I have, I have to find ways to uh, sustain myself and sustain my family. So just like how I learned while I was serving my mission, uh, you have to do it on your own with your companion moving forward. If not, we're always going to be in trouble. So that, that was my um, way of thinking. And when I met her family, they were really, or they were already into Oritati. <laughs> if you want to hang out with me, you got to do what I do. <laughs> Basically, yeah. I married her, I married the family. So, I was really impressed to see her dad. I mean, like he was, he was drumming as a lead of the Taliprao and the Toile. And I was really impressed. And I, one day, uh, remember, right, I have no clue about drumming. I know a little bit of or Oliteiti, but that was it. So I went to their practice and I was like, wow, they're really into it. I have to step up my game. So one day I asked her dad, you know, um, dad, I like, I like to learn drumming. So basically, my first teacher about uh, 
station drumming was on my father-in-law, Dennis Kia. He, he taught me the basics, tried to keep up with him. And one day I asked uh, Kapega's cousin, uh, Jimmy Allen Ramento, also for some IFO guidance uh, to teach me about drumming, station drumming. I did my homework. And as I was comfortable enough to move forward, I decided to uh, go back to Tahiti and further my knowledge by really going to, the, to my roots. I got to meet some friends in Tahiti that were, who were able to really teach me the way I supposed to drum. One of my friends, his name is Carlson Dean. He, he told me one time, you know, you, know, you, you learn the Hawaiian way of drumming. I don't know what is the Hawaiian way, but that's what he said. But now you gotta learn the Tahitian way. You gotta really drum like a Tahitian. He said, okay, show me how, that's how I want. So I learned, I learned. I don't wanna say I'm a best drummer, but I know, I can, I can hear what is the Hawaiian way, what is the Tahitian way, or even what is the US continent way. There's a, there's a, there's a technique that, that I hear, but, so I got to really um, dip myself into my own culture, my, my own roots. Going down the years, drumming with her dad, we got to do some shows, really to, to really deepen in, in myself into the entertainment life. Music, okay. I never learned how to play ukulele or banjo, but I asked my brother-in-law, Shane Williams, to teach me how to play uh, the string. So I got to learn from him, but I will, because I was able to sing already, it was easier for me to really transition into music. Yeah, Tino's family, they're um, strong singers. They're very good singers, especially coming, you had a good background from Singer, mom, yeah. learning from your mom. Now singing Tahitian and then playing. Yeah. It, that was new for Tino. Yeah, it was new for me. I mean, it, it, it's hard to play and sing at the same time. Like, you really got to practice, practice, practice. And I'm really happy and comfortable the way I am now. And I'm, I'm moving forward. No, okay. And then there's Olelo. Oh. Uh, so one year, um, was Hede Tamanui. They asked uh, Tino if he would be interested in doing the for a tiny fet or Maui's fet. The Maui fet. The presentation that we did was uh, on the Pudo, the morning. And never have experience yet. I, <laughs> <laughs> I never have any experience about Orero. Um, prior to that, that competition, my wife and I, um, we took our dance group to Tahiti just to show them what is Tahiti, what is Ava them around and we went and see we went watch um uncle jera with hey Kronu. from that moment I, no it wasn't with hey Kronu, it was with um Farihi, that was the year they presented um the story of the two shocks Imihere. yeah Imihere. yes I saw how Uncle Jera um, did his orero, mm -hmm. deliver his message, the costume that he was wearing. I knew already that I was asked to do the orero for Hiritamanui. And I told Pekka, I said, this is how I'm going to do it. Watching live how he performed, and even during that practice, I could feel the, the manner. And I, I told, I told Pekka, you know, that's, that's how I'm going to do it. Came to Maui um, in August for the Tahiti Fed. What year was that? The same year that we went to Tahiti. Was, yeah, 2012. And never have experience with costumes. But Ryan, we put up these vegetal costumes. The night before. Man, our, our kupunas was with us because we was led by something, what what flowers to grab, what to put on the costumes. And we did it in a 
overnight. Yeah, we went look in the forest for all poor old tree branches, and we brought the costumes. I don't know if you ever saw the YouTube performance. <laughs> I mean, in one of the videos, you see this 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 Just bush. imagine <laughs> a dancing tree, a tree coming up, running across the stage. Yeah, and then yeah, I delivered the message. I did the orero. So that's, that was the beginning of the Orero life. The year after... No, Tino, I just want to share that Tino did... I was, happened, I was in the audience that day and just to... I know my husband, he's a very quiet, reserved man, but to see him to come on stage that day, I was like, who is this guy? Like... You know how Beyonce has her Sasha fears. Like he, it was totally different. I like he caught my attention. Like I had to hear. He stopped me in my tracks, and I wanted to hear what he had to say. He was a storyteller that day, and he just delivered really well, performed well. And um, after that performance, we got off stage, and uh, remembering that um, Uncle Gerard was in the audience that day, and. Um, I was just so proud of Tino, but to see Uncle Gerard to come up and uh, laugh at Tino, but yes, at yet um, just commend him because he did um, he did Uncle proud as well. Um, yeah, I mean not laugh at him, but it was just laughing because it just such a shock for him to see Tino that way. And I get it, yeah. And that's how you started your Olelo Pack. Yeah. That was in 2012. 2013, we did a performance with at the Waikiki Shell. We did uh, Puro, the legend of the shot of Pearl Harbor. Kaupahau and my brother. Um, again, I did the Orero. But that year, uh, we, Kapika and I both decided to move back to Tahiti. So right after the performance uh, in April, so we made our plan to move back home, Tahiti. Um, By that time, we were married about 10 years. 10 years. I was thankful that Tino gave me time as a couple here in Hawaii. But, I, okay, so it was time for us to move to Tahiti to spend time with his family because at that time you went from high school to your mission, you was out college and then married. But um, so we were able to live in Tahiti. Three, three years. About three years. About three years. Yeah. Spend time with his family. And how was that? <laughs> so when we got to Tahiti, um, of course we wanted to participate in the Hava. We were looking for a group. And I never like go far. I want something close by. No, we never like participate. We just moved to Tahiti. <laughs> this is in April. April. And of course, Hava is... Um, Depression is already started. Is go is, yeah, it's hot. It's like June, July is Hava season. So I was like, okay, we're not going to enter Hava. We, we're going watch. But then Uncle Gerard came out. Yeah. So he asked if we wanted to go with Hikuranui. And I said, ah... I would love to, but it's just too far because we never have a car. And then, then he said, okay, there is another group closer to us in uh, Fatawa. That was our Fari'i. He said, okay. Um, we knew one of the guys, uh, we knew Wilson, and we also knew one of our Wilson's uh, mm -hmm. uh, brother-in-law, Jean. We went one night to watch their practice. And then I just asked one of the leaders, hey, how much does it cost to participate in with the group? So the answer, oh, just mil from ten 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 dollars. That's it. Yeah. But you gotta do your costume and okay, well, I like that. So that's that's when we, we started. I went well, me myself, I went there as a drummer. I just wanted to drum. So I started learning the OTA, the, the whole process. Then a month later, Uncle Jerry comes to me and, and he asks, can you do the Orero? I said, what? <laughs> yeah, can you do the Orero? I said, 
well, what happened to the other guy? I said, oh, he just, he gave up. I was like, okay. So I have to make a fast decision. And I think that time, uh, Wilson went, went up to um, Saint Jose for um, Uncle for um competition with Hikronui then. So I, as, as they went up in the competition, I received a text for the Orero and I just started learning, learning, learning. And then when they came back, then I had to be able to, I was able to really um, perform. Were you nervous? I was nervous. I mean, it's, it's, you on the Haver stage talking to your people? Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it was nervous. Like it's, it's something big that I'm, uh, I did in my life. Our, our aunt who was in the audience that evening of the Pari'ihi performance, she was so proud of him, she was so proud of her nephew. And um, there were other spectators around her and the Tahitians, they're not, um, they not shamed for hold back their feelings. So they're like, of course, Tino comes on the stage and they're like, in English, Who's this white guy on stage? Who's this guy coming up? Like, they, uh, who's this guy? Then, of course, Tino opens his mouth and it just shut them up quickly. And of course, Tati Pao was over there, very proud, only one cheering for, that's my nephew. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was there that night. That was my first, my second <laughs> night. Yes, I never, I never got to tell you guys because when you guys came, it was for Papa's uh, tribute. And so we had too much to figure out and too deep in our emotions. But mm -hmm. that's a really, that part of your story, Tino, is really, it's personal for me because it connects, it connects to where I, where I landed, right? My second night to, to Tahiti, the first time I ever went to the Heiva at Toata, and you came out on stage with Fari'ihi. It was the, uh, the story of Huahine. And the what was explained to me by the family, because the year after I got to dance with Heikura Nui with Papa Gerard and them in 2013, when you guys had just moved back. Um, but what was explained to me was that they showed me his video with Imihere, 2011 Farihi, and the similarities in the text that you spoke. There's certain things you, you say in, for Huahine performance. They don't say they don't say more. They say afanora. They, they there's a certain yeah. Yeah. Oh, so you had they had shown me how you were the one the after because he was 2011. You were 2012. Right. And by right. then, by then, what they told me, I didn't know that you drummed or anything, but I knew you were a ratira, and they had told me that you're a tattooer. So they were they, they were trying to set it up so you could tattoo us, but <laughs> I think it was. You had a lot of people because Kapeka, your family came that year. They were with Nona Hede, I believe, 2013. 13. Yeah. Oh, yes, yes, yes. yes yeah, your cousins, right. right. And then we were with Hikura Nui. So always kind of in the same circle, you know. But yeah. even when um, later, a couple years later, when I went back to train and learn when I was living with Gerard, they, I had asked about you. I said, well, how did he, you know, how was it when you taught him? And then they were like, well, he... They're kind of like, well, he's from here. So he's not like you, you know what I mean? Because they're kind of explaining, like, you're, he's had a lot of students. Papa's had a lot of students. But, you know, this is a challenge because you don't speak the language. And then I was kind of asking, like, how, how was it when you taught Tino? And they're like, what do, you, what do you mean? Like, Tino's from here. So, you know, that their, their, their answer for me was funny. But I always looked up to that because that performance, um, it was like, okay, right after Papa, someone filled his shoes the year after, because he stepped into Hekuronui when there was no one to do Farihi, so you went to Farihi. Perfect for them, because there's someone taking the role. But it was such a beautiful performance, and it just ingrained in my mind, like you with the big, um, it was a hook. Oh, the oh hook, yeah, the, yeah, that's right, the, the hook. hook. It was a hook, yeah. I mean, that, that's still ingrained in my mind, because again, that was the first time I ever saw it live in front of me, so... That really left an impression on me. I just wanted to let you know. Big respect. <laughs> but yeah, we're, uh, you know, we were really humbled because, of course, Uncle Gerard always, 
um, gave Tino his tips, yeah, or guided right. Tino. Yep. So that was really special to have that. I mean, what, what really, when that really hit me, especially receiving that responsibility of delivering the message as Olero, was the night that we did that stage rehearsal at Tawata with the mics, the, the lights. At first, I, for me, it was just always oh, just a regular practice. But when it came that night, I felt it felt really different. Like I shared with Capita later that night that, you know, I felt something is pushing me from behind. I felt like a, super, a big support from behind. And she showed me a picture that she took while she was just standing in line to go onto the stage. It was me um, delivering the message, but I don't know if you ever saw that, that book, uh, the Haver book of the dancers um, leaning back and there's a background, black pitch back background. That was the same type of picture that she took. And that I, that was a moment where I really felt like, um, I guess her family side, Kupuna was with us that night. And even Okujera and whoever passed be before them. But it was it was strong. And I guess from there, from that moment, I was the Orero for Hereta Manui. Yeah. With um, her dad whenever he needed um an Orero. And I always do it because Okujera encouraged me to do it. And also for my own roots, my own culture, my tupuna, to always share this knowledge, the message, what people need to hear. That's, that was my, that's my only intention, to really share with everyone. It was explained to me as well that, well, I hadn't asked a lot, but when I did ask, it, it was explained to me that you're a nephew, but not by blood, because you married Kapika. So what they explained to me too was that they're actually blood related with Kapeka, right? Is that is that correct? They have the same tupuna with with you, Kapeka. Even though we were laughing because they're saying, but but Tino's the one who's Tahitian, <laughs> right? So it was kind of like backwards, right? But that I understand what you're talking about. Um, I'm I'm definitely the first to believe you that you felt that from behind because it's not a joke. I I take it really serious, like how you explain. And um, it's it's not something that you can just choose and just, you know, like American um, point of view is you set your mind to it and you can do it. And I, I just don't believe that with things over there, with the mm -hmm. cultural things. I feel like it chooses the person. Right. You know, even right. when the person doesn't want to do it or wasn't trying to go and do it or pursue it, it kind of chooses who it wants. Exactly, yeah. I see that over and over. So... When I talk about it, you know, I, I don't know who thinks when I talk about it, it sounds fahua or whatever. I don't really care because I know my intention behind it. The same way you're explaining it. It's not something you can just choose and say, I'm going to do this. You know, tomorrow I'm going to do an orero on stage. It doesn't work like that. I really think it's something that, that chooses you, you know. And what a grand honor it is for me to have you on the podcast and talk to you about it tonight because there's a lot of the same connections in the same circle the Tepehu family, very grateful for that. And also, Kapeka, your your family group is just one of the best. So it's it's an honor to talk to you guys about this stuff because it's not everybody who gets to hear from you, your perspective. Well, now everyone will hear from you and <laughs> your perspective. So we're putting we're we're sharing it with everybody. But at the same time, I, I feel really honored to be the one in dialogue with you both about that. Other than the cultural part of it. I had a question for you both, which is, uh, Kapeka, how, is, how has it been now that you guys have been married, you know, X amount of years, over a decade, maybe almost two decades, correct? How has yeah. your French and Tahitian been picked up by living, you know, with your husband? When we moved to Tahiti, it was hard. It was, like how you said, it was funny because when we were both in Tahiti, the Tahitian thought, I was a Tahitian and he's the American, right? But I was like, no, 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 he's your son. I, I am the Hawaiian. But uh, so I, 
that first year in Tahiti was tough for me because I didn't speak the language. Everybody thought I spoke French or Tahitian. And if I responded like saying, oh no, I don't speak. It was taken as I was being rude. Like, how come you don't want to speak your language? Yeah, that was hard for me. I really stayed home. I didn't like to leave the house and it was hard to make friends. So that first year was hard. Um, I tried to do uh, Rosetta Stone. It helped with vocabulary. So I could hear words from people, but forming a sentence was hard. Because so, I would go to church, I would listen. Uh, but then after I got tired, I was like, I need to make friends. I want to make friends. I want to get to know people. Um, but going to Tahitian practice was what made me feel at home. Going to practice, I was like, oh, this is my thing. I could feel my family. I, I'd be dancing with the girls and then they turned to me talk to talk in French or I talking in English. I'm like, oh shoot, I forgot. I don't we don't speak the same language, only the language of the Toere. That's what made helped me stay in Tahiti longer, if that makes sense. Funny because I grew up loving Tahiti, but that first year there was hard. I didn't like being there. Um, I wanted, I longed to be back home in Hawaii or around my family. But so again, after that first year, I finally, you know, pushed myself out there to make friends and just speak, speak the language. Um, but when we moved back home, we moved back to America. We lived in Georgia. Um, that was, in, I think, in 2016. And... Um, we would take trips back home to Tahiti. But while I was living in America, I still continued learning French at home on the computer. Um, Tina would talk to me and it would end up in a fight. I would be like, oh, just, that don't make sense. How come it say it like this? Or toilet paper, paper toilet, that kind of thing. Um, but I still practice the language online, but when I went back to Tahiti, then it clicked. I, I could make better sense. Again, understanding my delivering is still a little bit, Tino says it's baby talk, um, but he's, he can understand what I'm trying to say. Well, sometimes you, the last trip that we had, you were able to translate to your sister yeah. what me and my mom were talking about. So she, she got their ear now. She can yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. That's pretty good if you can translate. That's but that's years worth, right? Like yes, you, yeah. figure you live with him, so <laughs> no. But that's still that's still you know that's still very like okay, awesome. You know, awesome. You can do that because some people they move somewhere and they live somewhere. They 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 almost never even pick it up. Other than the the Tahitian dance, you know, community, which I know you're both comfortable in now. You know, our, our goal with the group in, on Facebook and with this podcast and different things we're doing is to kind of bridge the Tahitian families that live outside of Tahiti together. What is your opinion on how we can move forward with bridging those communities and that diaspora together as one? You know, what, what do you see as um, like a power move for us moving forward for the next generation, especially to get to know each other. And, and I say that too, because like Tino, now you have, you explain your brothers in Hawaii and then Kapeka. I know too, I remember that um, some of your family members also married and had children with Tahitian people. So, you know, I know, I know you two know, um, may not have all the answers, but I know you, you have some good answers probably for this. What, what should we be doing? How should we move forward for our families to meet, get to know each other and have a strong community? We do live in a world where technology and um, especially Zoom or Facebook or live is really helpful. That's that's a great that's a great tool right now. I mean, especially with the Facebook page for the group, is one way that we can really be connected. I was I was just talking to Pika the other day. You know, we should just create an event and let's see who wants to be part of it to to come and participate. Just like a family reunion. I mean, just come, gather, let's let's bring, let's 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 play music. That's that's one way that we all can be connected and especially the next generation discovering other people 
who are have the similar type of life as theirs. For me, that's the best way to do it. I mean, maybe not every year. I know on the U.S. continent, pretty much everybody are spread uh, really far from each other. But if we can get an even, that that might be a start. While we were living in Georgia, there's a a Polynesian community there, but like Tina said, they're they're just all spread out. Um, so there was just one lady who did create a group, and they have picnic maybe twice a year. They meet up together. They all come together to hang out, have lunch, spend the day together. So and that's just in Georgia. I mean, like the one family that lived really far is like three, four hours drive to where they they were gonna meet, and then they try. I mean, they're all from Hawaii, living in Georgia. And they try to meet like twice a year. I mean, they have that. They they had, do have their Facebook uh, group page that keep everyone everyone updated. Um, so it takes someone <laughs> to create this event <laughs> to bring the people together. <laughs> I know in Hawaii there is a strong Haitian community compared to the U.S. continent, but if if we gotta travel to the U.S. continent, yeah, let's do this. I mean, that's, that's the best way. I'm gonna be brave and say something that I, I think maybe is uncomfortable for some people to hear, but I, I I say it with good intention, right? What I would love to do because we we tried this in L.A. and it was great. What what happened was a lot of families came together who knew each other kind of from the community and a lot that were not involved at all. But we kept all the Oriteti stuff out of it, right? There was still yeah. bringing and there was drumming and dancing, but it, there was no talk about groups because that's sensitive, right? What I hope one day is that we can arrive to O'ahu and meet all of you um, and invite all of them and have it not have anything to do with Oriteti and competition. But yeah. just the simple fact that all of you are of Maohi blood from Tahiti married somebody from Hawaii or, you know, the U.S., and we can come together. You know what I mean? That's what I'm hoping for. Is it, maybe, can it happen? I don't know. But I'm I'm hoping that if if Vaidea and I, um, hopefully we can just, like, announce, so we're coming next year, <laughs> and then just ask everybody to meet us at a park or something, and maybe we can have, maybe it can happen it, organically yeah, first. That's a start, right? I mean, yeah. a small thing, that's, that's always a start. Like, right. Um, just potluck, come and just enjoy everybody's company and then yeah. to know each other. Mm -hmm. um, it's always a start. Right. Besides the Oriteti, the competition, yeah, just it's always an excuse to meet up with everybody when there's a competition. But right. other than that, try meet up and know more than just the Oriteti world. That's, that's the best way. Yeah, because beyond that aspect of the culture, which is just one facet, one aspect, even though it's an important one, at the end of the day, all of you are, are Maohi, all of you are, are living outside French Polynesia, have a similar story, you know, you having fallen in love with Kapeka and, you know, her figuring out your culture, your lifestyle, etc., vice versa, very similar to us. We're completely different people, right? But we have that in common. So I feel like we can kind of, go above and beyond any kind of politics or folks yeah. that have those feelings and and put that first, you know, because at the end of the day, no matter who wins any competition, there's people that are Maui and people that married someone who's Maui. And, and then there's, there's <laughs> folks that are not right. That have that that's, it doesn't make us any better. It's just that when the competition ends, this is still our life, right? The Haitian culture is still our life because, you know, like Kapeka, it's, it's, it's your life, Kapeka, you know? You married Tino. And all you guys will do till you're old, same for us. Same for me. No matter what goes on in that world, no matter what, when it's done, I'm, I'm still with Vedia. It's still a Maohi household. With yeah, we are people. We are Tata. Uh, exactly. Let's hang the costume and just, <laughs> just do who you are. That's all. Right. I, mean, right. I love that. Really, gotta have a good foundation, um, not only on each other's love, um, but on your faith as well. That it, it's worth it. It's worth the fight. I don't know what do you say. Don't give up. I mean, it's, 
it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard no matter what. I mean, it's going to be frustrated, but I just wish the system is just better and easier to understand as far as all the process, the processing papers, but it's all, it's still the same as up today. But one suggestion I will do is plan wisely. Don't rush. If you love each other, yeah, that's, that's the main thing, but plan wisely and not just go at it hard and then you're going to hit the wall. And then uh, for me, it's just, just plan wisely and everything going to be going to come together one step at a time. I guess regarding the paperwork, just read everything. Yeah, one step at a time so you don't see the whole mountain, then you'll be over it once, one step at a time. I know every case is not the same. Some cases, some, um, some couples or some family can be fortunate to have a good support from the family, either uh, financial or emotional. But if you have each other at first, that's the main thing. Just, just preserve that love that you have for each other and then just work together. That's, don't let anything else just try to block you because you guys have a plan and then just move forward slowly but truly. Humbling for me to hear from you both about it, although we've already completed the, that original, you know, the, the first steps we have to, but humbling for me because you're still together, you're still... Like I told you at the beginning of the call, they, people can't see it on the podcast, but you both look so healthy right now. Um, <laughs> <Who> helps you? <laughs> by, by appearance, right? By appearance, that's what matters. And um, it's humbling for me because I I hope we can say that, you know, oh, at year 10, we moved to Tahiti or, oh, that was 10 years ago, you know, those kind of things. So um, I, I really want to thank you both. If anyone plans to move back to Tahiti, there's also a process. Right. Uh, so just be careful. I mean, plan wisely and know what you're doing. That's, a, that's another step we did too, because yeah. when we were moving out of America, then we had to rush for Tino to get his U.S. citizenship. Right, 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 yeah. right, right. Do you remember any part of that that maybe we should all kind of take note of, great? Because um, not just us, also kind of actually in the middle of that process for me, but others as well have told me that they want to do it. I only know of, I only know of a couple other couples that went and did both sides. Right. And one of them, the, it was another guest on the show ended up, they ended up moving back to Tuamotu, but do you, do you have any words for that? Cause that is interesting. Yeah. How did we do? Did you, cause I remember we went to get the book about how to get, become citizen well, yeah. and yet to learn the the process in Tahiti or in, in, in um, first the American citizenship no 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 oh. in, in Tahiti so you gotta have the residency first so basically they give you a paper saying that you are permitted to reside mm -hmm. in Tahiti for 10 years but you're only limited to leave the the island uh, for so for so many uh, months. So basically, um, we have for myself, me and Kapika, we had to fly to San Francisco to the French consulate and do the paperwork there to be able to receive that that book once we arrive to Tahiti. If not, if you don't follow those steps. So basically, your uh, your spouse or yourself is traveling with your your own passport, U.S. passport. But we have to return to USA. You cannot stay more you than three stay months. More than, you cannot stay longer than three months. So with that paper, that residency of ten years, you still can have your U.S. passport, but you're able to reside in Tahiti for like ten years. That's, that's one of the, pro the, the process. Now to become citizen, this is a different story in, in Tahiti. So basically the main question is, do you know how to speak French? 
Really, yeah. I that's that's be. that's the first thing that they're gonna ask you. They're either gonna call you just to see how you can handle a conversation, and there, when you pass that, you gotta go to judges, and they decide whether or not you can become a French citizen. So that's. So at that time, we didn't know how long we were gonna be living in Tahiti. So I was, my homework was to learn the language. So if if I could get this citizenship, yeah. But you couldn't even work. Yeah, and I couldn't work. I have to in Tahiti, couldn't yeah. work in Tahiti <laughs> because yeah, I couldn't take the jobs from the people. Yeah. If I chose to. Yeah. I mean, like like I said earlier, just plan wisely. Do your research. There is um um website that you can find out what's the procedures if you plan to return home. Tahiti. Same as uh, US, there is the website that really can show you what, what you need to, to fill up. But it's kind of overwhelmed sometimes. Yeah, it is. It is. I, I, we did start that process. We did start our homework in a sense, because what you're explaining is exactly that it was the Livre de Family. So the yeah. book that you're talking yeah. about. And then the second one was the. Um, the French language acquisition, like how much do you really speak? Not Kena French, Tahitian, <laughs> <laughs> and not like baby talk, right? Which is like both my kind of like my weakness. Like, yeah, I could talk, I could, I could have a conversation, but it, I mix the French and Tahitian, you know, and then it's not proper enough for them. So then I was like having to relearn, you know, actual French from the Tahiti, you know, but. Yeah. I get nervous about it, right? Because we have one child born there who can legally go with Vedia and just be over there. And then me and the second one cannot. So we get kind of nervous, like about that split between us. So it's something I have to figure out as well, but thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. And then it's different, right? Hearing from you both is different than um, the websites. Cause I read the websites, but they're overwhelming. They're like 28 pages and yeah. they kind of like scare you. Like if oh, you yeah. do this and you don't follow this, you're going to get fined $10,000 and go to jail and all those <laughs> things. Or, you know, you're restricted from going back in as like, oh my God, I don't even want to risk it, you know? So to hear from you both is, is helpful. And I think it will help other people when they are seeking the same answers. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Raymond. No, thank you both so much. I, I really appreciate your time and, for sharing so much of your personal story with us. Um, it really is an honor. So I just want to thank you both for being guests on the show. Thank you, Ryan. And you guys are doing an awesome job too, even to hold this podcast. I, I love your podcast. I mean, it's, it's really helpful. I mean, to hear everybody's it's stories. It's nice hearing everyone yeah. else's stories. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, oh, oh. 